Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. The just-concluded three-day New Year holiday in China witnessed a surge in consumption. This puts the economy on a strong footing heading into 2024, according to some analysts. According to the Ministry of Culture and Tourism, a total of 135 million domestic trips were made in China from the end of December to January the 1st, 2024. This statistic even surpasses travel figures in the year 2019 by 9.4%. In addition, according to the official statistic to the travel boom, China's box office revenue also registered a stellar performance. Ticket sales accounted to approximately 1.53 billion yuan during the holiday season, surpassing the previous record earning of 1.3 seen in 2021. In his New Year message, the Chinese president mentioned that 2024 China will consolidate and strengthen the momentum of economic recovery, promote high-quality development and deepen reform and opening up across the board. So what are the new opportunities and what are still the challenges? What might be the solutions? I asked all these questions to the two gentlemen I talked to earlier. Here's our conversation. For more on the Chinese economy in Hong Kong, Edward Xie, chairman and CEO of Gongfeng Advisory Company in Beijing, Liu Zhiqian, senior researcher at Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies with Renmin University of China. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. We all know that China's economy is going through a transition. Now, Mr. Xie, what is the nature of this transition? How to study the statistics that are coming out these days in regard with the backdrop of this transition? I think everybody knows that the property sector is not doing very well and in fact it's under a lot of pressure and it's actually also pulling down the overall Chinese economy quite a bit. What we think uh, is that China is now undergoing a transition as you said from a uh, property led or property dominant uh, uh, e economy into a digital economy where innovation and technology will play a much bigger role. So I think this is where we are in China. Mm. How do you analyze this transition, Mr. Liu? Where are we in the early stage, in the middle of it? Uh, I think we are uh, at a very early stage. I think that because we take some quite a long time that to overcome all difficulties and the challenges we are facing for the transit period as well. In my opinion, because as a, when we're talking about the economic development, I have to describe this uh, period as also economic growth of also has four seasons. That means spring, summer, autumn, and the winter time. So every season has already two years, started together eight years plus two years uncertainty. I think the 10 years is a cycle uh, the, the development. So we can see that at this moment, the transition period, as um, Mr. Dr. Shea always said that the property uh, field is a key point to say that. But in my opinion, I've changed my idea recently because everybody talking about the property problem, but the property is a victim. Everybody try to criticize, try to shift all the responsibilities to the property uh, this industry. Actually, we have another and other uh, more important fields and areas that uh, 
to be noticed. How do you explain the challenges that we're having right now in terms of economic growth? What is the challenge do you see? Uh, in my opinion, that we have two challenges. One is the major policy making because uh, all the problems and uncertainties caused partially or 50% of the problem caused by the policy we, we had before because of this uh, problem that we failed to catch up in the world development. And secondly is that we have uh, tried to shift our policy from left side now to the right side. And sometimes from the right side to the left side. For instance, we're not talking about the very famous uh, policy that the unified market, the unified policy overall. But as, as we know that in the past years, that the unified uh, policy, unified market for a huge country, a huge market, that means that when we implement such policies, it's too difficult because every every province, every local has this localization. Mm -hmm. So how to make a real good understanding? Because many local governments try to always to shift their own responsibilities. Oh, now we do, we, we cannot do nothing more because the central government has a unified market. So we have to follow the unified market policy. But what is the localization, local character? Mm. This is the strong point of uh, different okay. province has a different strong point. What can be the things to be done? What can be the things that can be done right now in order to address at least immediate uh, challenges as you see it? We, I talk about the public sector, but certainly it's not the only sector which has some problem in the Chinese economy. In, in general, uh, the consumption level in China is not as high as what it should be. Uh, and I think that reflects a bit of uh, the confidence of a lot of people, both the consu consumers as well as potentially the investors as well. Uh, and we also are, are looking at, um, you know, as we think about the dual circulation, meaning external circulation as well as internal circulation of the economy, mm -hmm. uh, both are having some challenges. In terms of policies in the financial sector, you know, one would always resort to fiscal policy as well as the monetary policy. I believe that uh, in uh, December, in the Central Economic uh, Conference, uh, these topics were discussed very much in the Chinese leadership. I think they have agreed that uh, in, uh, in this year, uh, the Chinese government is going to try to institute more proactive fiscal policy, meaning being more, uh, yeah, more proactive and be more energetic in injecting new fiscal policy into the, the economy. And then uh, uh, I think on on the monetary monetary policy, they were talking about more prudent monetary policy, meaning right. perhaps they're going to be a little bit more careful on the supply of mon money into the economy. Tell me more about what do you think can be the immediate immediate fix to at least the short term to the Chinese economy. At the moment, I think the problem is that all entrepreneurs all regions, local government, waiting for the signs, for the instructions for top level, from central government. They do not have their local initiative. This is really a big challenge. 
Mr. Liu is mainly focusing on the policy side. Let me go to you, Mr. Xie, on some specifics. Mm. As we mentioned in the opening of our show today, uh, in fact, recently the number of tourism doing pretty well if you look at the New Year's time. Uh, according to Ministry of Culture Tourism, total of 135 million domestic trips made uh, from December the 30th to uh, January the 1st, 2024. Uh, also, that's a jump even from the year 2019. Uh, meanwhile, you also see ticket sales increase to about 1.5 billion yuan and the list goes on. But of course, people ask the question whether these are sporadic examples or they are likely to be the trends uh, that people demonstrate to show that they have more confidence in consumption, they have more confidence in the economy. What's your take? Yeah, my take is that uh, people actually have money to spend. Uh, but the question is what, when and when, they, when they're going to be spending the money, right? And so during these long holidays, they're willing to spend the money and they have the ability to spend the money. But then during the normal days, during the normal days, they may not have that confidence to continue to spend the type of money that they used to spend in the previous years because perhaps some of them are not having a job or uh, they may not see the future as bright as what they had before. For those kind of reasons, the people are a bit more conservative during the normal days. Mm. But during holidays, people are willing to spend a whole lot, as you said. Mm. What about this market uh, size? Is China's market still the most coveted or one of the most still coveted uh, by the rest of the world? Is China's market going to be, uh, whether it is unified as a whole or uh, it is uh, having different natures in different parts of this market, going to create some kinds of momentum that could drive the economy going? Of course, these are trillion dollar questions. But I still want to ask for your sense of judgment, given where you are mm -hmm. and you're traveling between Hong Kong and the mainland often. That's correct. Uh, as you know, uh, Tianwei, I work with a lot of companies and many of them are foreign companies. And I say that in general, the foreign companies' interest in China continues to be pretty high, actually, because they see China yeah. as a major market. And there's a lot of reports about foreign companies leaving China or foreign companies not confident in China. Maybe there's some, but the majority of the companies, at least the ones that I know, are actually continues to be very confident about China, mostly because of the market size, as you mentioned. So mm -hmm. I would testify that, uh, in fact, uh, you know, the size of the market in China is a major reason for the draw of foreign direct investment in China. Yeah. Now about the policy side and also about the implementation of the policies. And Mr. Liu, as you know, Many have this consensus here in China, at least about the potential of the economy. For example, uh, new infrastructure, new energy, new technology leading to smart manufacturing, and also new consumption, different types of new consumptions in this country. Many believe these are going to drive the economy further with a bigger potential if we solve the problems for the immediate term. Now, we cannot do it separately, right? We have to do, fix the economy right now, while at the same time building the groundwork for the future, for the potential. To these four areas, Mr. Liu, what do you make of their, um, shall I say, the energy it could give to 
uh, build this economy potentially? And what kind of groundwork right now urgently need to be done? I think it's the confidence in the market and also the expectation for the future. Because the present market is uh, still waiting for proof that whether it could have a very good uh, revenue in the future. So uh, expectation for the uh, future is more important than anything else. Because when the people believe in the near future that we can have a, a good income, that people will try their best to do more business. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, the, the government has already uh, cut uh, in, in five or six uh, categories in different uh, uh, industries. For instance, they named in such a way, this is a very, uh, very, very good explanation. For instance, they call this uh, the modern, modernized uh, industry today, and uh, the traditional industry, and also the emerging industry, and also future industry, even we have. And also we have different uh, categories for this industry. If we have new, four news, as you mentioned, that Together, I think all this could be combined uh, in a, a very good package, uh, package in the basket also. We can develop simultaneously mm -hmm. and with, the, with a very quick return with quicker efficiency in short term. Uh, tell me, you started this conversation by asking us about the transformation, the transformation of the Chinese economy. And I answered by saying transformation from a more traditional economy to a more digital and more new economy. In fact, the four sectors that you talk about would be part of the the new digital economy that I talk about. Digital as broadly defined mm -hmm. or technologically innovative economy. So for those sectors, uh, in my view, there's going to be major drivers for the Chinese economy going forward. A lot of money has been put into place. Other companies are already participating in those sectors as well as we're seeing a lot of innovations that are coming out from uh, from these sectors. So I believe that going forward, these sectors is going to be the major engines for driving the Chinese technological innovation. But it's not only these four sectors, of course. We also have, let's say, the on the environmental side, the ESG side. Uh, that's also the green tech is also a major development area, right? So what are the conditions that will enable these sectors to continue to grow and maybe even grow faster. You certainly, as Mr. Liu talked about, you need to have the right policy. You, you know, if you look at the new energy vehicles, electrical vehicles, the reason why it was able to take off, take off so rapidly within the last 10 years is because of the right policies with the right stimulus incentives and also enabling the entrepreneurs uh, to go into the sector and enable everybody to compete on the level playing field, those kind of things. Those are important elements for success. And I think that if China continue to provide that kind of regulatory infrastructure, this, this industry will continue to grow and prosper and will continue to be the major drivers for the new uh, economy in China. Mm. I want to thank both of you for being very frank and also uh, insightful in this discussion. Thank you so much, Mr. Liu Zhichen and Mr. Awashi. Appreciate it. Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines, this is World Insight. Culture knows no borders. It's the very richness and diversity of culture that inspires hope and connection in changing times. 
Swiss art collector Willy Sieger has donated more than half of his collections to the M Plus Museum in Hong Kong. Earlier, I had a chance to talk to him, and he shares how he carefully selected each piece of contemporary art for the museum's exhibition. Dr. Sieger, what a pleasure to see you once again. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Well, this time in a very different location, inside M Plus, in front of your collection. Uh, well, it's a part, say, but we can see <laughs> in within my kind of. But it's now the M Plus Six collection. Mm-hmm. So, how big is this collection? The M Plus Six collection is about a thousand five hundred pieces of Chinese contemporary art by about three hundred Chinese artists. Doctor Sieg, some say. M Plus, of course, is a very important art institution now in Hong Kong. Many say it could even rival the Central Pompidou or, you know, Tate Modern. What is your assessment of the necessity of this art institution in Hong Kong? And of course, your collection inside. I think it's a very good thing for Hong Kong, and I think there has been a need for a world-class institution which can. As you just said, you know, keep up with anything in the world, and a city of that importance, and with that stream of incoming visitors, as it always had, a city like that, even point of city marketing, then point of art marketing, and then of course for the public of Hong Kong, who ultimately pays for the museum, there is a real need for this institution. When you talk about your collection, how do you select this、uh, more than a thousand pieces into the permanent collection of、uh, M Plus? It、uh, was a careful choice, but it was done by myself.、Uh, chose according to、uh, my intention and that of the museum as well to show the storyline of Chinese contemporary art from its very beginnings. We can date that around 79 to today, or maybe、uh, the as the donation was in 2012,、uh, as to 2012.、Uh, tell me more about what does that mean to be、uh, submerge yourself into world of Chinese contemporary art and interacting, you know, as a person with the artists that are in this、uh, scene.、Uh, to you, what does it say to you? What have you learned? Well, I had been very ignorant about China when I came to China end of the seventies. So、uh, later, yes,、uh, things you know moved up, and、uh, I could do that.、Uh, so I could go out and reach the artists and、uh, talk to them. I could see how they live, and through contemporary art, I really experienced. Uh, you know other parts of China.、Uh, did you have a favorite or favorites、uh, to visit? Tell us one or two of those anecdotes.、Uh, well, it was a large crowd I met, and you know one artist would take me to another artist, and、uh, at first I had to find them, and then very soon they found me, and also I invited many into、uh, the embassy, and、uh, you know so we could. Have easy conversations, and I also could invite other guests who took an interest in contemporary art. And so the circle widened and widened, and、uh, still, 
my ultimate study object is China. So through encountering the artist, I, I did really my China research, you could say. I, I researched it through my business experience. I researched it through diplomacy. And I researched it uh, through encounter with Chinese contemporary artists and art. So it was kind of instrumental to do this. When you talk about research, of course, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, cliche sayings. Uh, you're saying if you're in China for a month, you could almost write a book about China. But when you are here for one year or more than that, people will get scared of suggesting, you know, what China is like. That question, I'm sure, has been popping up to you anytime you talk to a uh, non-Chinese audience about what China is and, you know, how to interpret China now. What, what would you say? Well, I fear a question like this one. You know, uh, <laughs> what I what I normally say it, it sounds like I'm escaping the question, but for me it's the truth. Uh, in China, you find everything and the contrary of everything, something of that type. I really think that's so about adequate way of describing China. Mm. There's a speed about China. There's also reminiscence. Uh, among the Chinese, you know, just on this specific point, how would you interpret that? How do you also articulate those trends with your artist friends? Well, one issue that was important to me is, uh, of course, the Chinese tradition, the Chinese culture, and how the contemporary people and artists are just some of the contemporary uh, people in China how they deal with their own tradition, how do they understand their tradition? Is it, uh, as one would expect, something you know to pass on to the next generations? Is it something to think anew? And uh, so I did, for instance, exhibition about the Shangshui, about land, Chinese traditional landscape painting, how contemporary artists view that tradition. I did another large exhibition about calligraphy. How do Chinese contemporary artists see that tradition? Of course, I had to prepare it for a Western public because these exhibitions were in the West. And uh, yeah, this was a, a very important learning, first of all, for me, but also for these visitors and sometimes for the Chinese as well. For instance, about script. Uh, Questions like uh, how many Chinese characters are in your smartphone? I didn't find anyone who could answer this in China. How do they get into your smart device? Who is going to define them? You know, issues like that. But very interesting in today's China. So I could do a lot of research, say, in an art exhibition, just to make an example. When China is developing, people have been asking a question about what real China is and what China desires. I'm sure those questions also pop up in many of the press conferences and the Q&A sessions you had with many others about this exhibition, uh, particularly in recent years. So, Dr. Sig, uh, when people go inside this exhibition, go inside M+, what should they, what kind of open mind should they have? I think they, in a way, need an open mind because the contemporary art is you know, somewhat different from, say, the traditional art. So the contemporary artists, they are actually visual thinkers. And uh, so one has to be prepared to see different views, different opinions on subjects. And 
also it's not like in the tradition where it's very much about beauty, harmony, the sublime, which is a very good thing. Art is your good friend. In contemporary art, contemporary art is made in another paradigm. It may be critical, it may be very analytical and all that. So one has to be prepared to see some of that, but there's also a lot of beauty. And there's uh, many things that connect to the Chinese, to the great Chinese tradition, which is unmatched by and different from any other. I mean, I'm saying that as a European. And uh, you find all of that in, in such an exhibition because it's a very large exhibition, about 300 works. And that's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to know more, search World Insight, check out our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Tian Wei. On behalf of my team, thanks for being with us. Bye for now. Beyond the, he Beyond the Headlines, this is World Insight.